are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, New York Giant fans, to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're with Patricia Trena, and I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. You can find all the places I write for by following me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena, T-R-A-I-N-A. And today... I have a special guest. I know I've been teasing it all week long, and here he is, fresh from the from Los Angeles, California. I believe he's located. Uh, yes. This, yes, this gentleman. Uh, you Seinfeld fans out there will probably recognize this gentleman. His name is Steve Heitner. And for you Seinfeld fans, he played the infamous Kenny Banya. So he is back from his meal with Jerry from Mendy's. <laughs> Steve, welcome. It's not, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's nice when they were looking to cast the most annoying person in the world they thought of me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steve. I, I finally got a chance to watch all the Seinfeld episodes. I binge-watched them a couple years ago. I think uh, I just devoted like a, a, a month and a half. My husband had been on me for years to watch it. He says, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. And I absolutely loved it the series i really did and i appreciate the work you've done and all the actors and actresses on the show just fantastic writing and acting so kudos yeah to it was a pretty special um a group it would have been great to do that show if everybody was a jerk because it was such a great business uh um, connection and a great business thing to do but everyone on that show was awesome so it just made it even more enjoyable and i bet and too bad they didn't get you into the scenes at giant stadium because that would have been right up your your alley Oh, I know. I know. That would have been a huge, a huge kick for me. Yeah. Been a Giant fan for years. Been a Giant fan. I'm from New York, uh, born in Brooklyn, raised on Long Island. Not the, not the fancy Long Island. You can spit to Queens from where I'm from. Uh, Valley Stream, Long Island. And uh, so I've been, I, I've been riding Giants for a long, long time. So you've got to be feeling the pain, I bet. Uh, I absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, not this week. We have a bye week, so I guess we can all, you know. Uh, put some bandages on and try and heal, but um, yeah, it's been a it's been a difficult season uh, all around. For sure. Well, Steve, we're going to talk a little bit about that difficult season, kind of get some different perspectives from you. But before we do, want to mention to all the listeners out there about your website. That's Gold with Steve Heitner. That's the last name is H Y T N E R, and I believe you have a podcast. Am I correct? We do. It's uh, that's cool with Steve Heitner. We do a little um, sports, a little sports gambling. We discuss a little bit, and then we discuss all things that men of age might actually enjoy doing, be it uh, travel, cigars, chili, uh, Vegas, all those sorts of things. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so Steve, how about we jump into Giants? I think we need some group therapy here with the season, the, the way the season has gone. <laughs> Absolutely, help me out. Uh, help me out. I mean, I've had to do this every day <laughs> for the last couple of years or so. But uh, seriously. I, I mean, I, I'm sure you watch the games from California. Um, what do you see as being the, you know, the, the biggest problem? I mean, I know what I see, but you know, from from your perspective, what, what bugs you most about this team? Uh, look, it, it's so there's so many different areas that it's hard to take just one and say, okay, here's 
the most, the one that bothers me the most, I mean, obviously, this is the offensive line play. Uh, obviously, look, I've been a support of Eli's for many, 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 many years. And uh, there's no there's no disrespect in the fact that he might be, you know, uh, winding down now. But the, the challenge of that is it doesn't seem like we have anybody to take a look at for the most part. You know, I don't think our quarterback of the next years is on the roster right now. Do you? I'm not sure. I mean, having not seen Kyle Lawletta, I tend to got, kind of give guys, an, you know, the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the last time we saw Kyle Lawletta was in, in the summer. We're not allowed to watch practice in season. But with that said, there's always a reason why a guy is drafted where he's drafted. So I think that would definitely give me pause. Uh, yeah. So to me, fine. Then let's take a look at him to some degree of what is the rest of this season about. Uh, I don't know if it's about, you know, uh, wearing down Saquon. I, I don't know. Uh, what I'm trying to be is positive about where we go from here. You know, what do we do with the rest of this season? What we don't do is go to the playoffs. That's not what's going to happen. Unfor- right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, what what is next? What is after the bye week? What's next? Who, who are we playing and why? And uh, I also feel one of the main problems with this team is, you know, I don't always agree with Odell Beckham Jr. Many times I don't agree with Odell Beckham Jr. But, you know, throw the ball down the field and the team chemistry does seem to be a little lacking. Yeah, for sure. You know, let, let's, let me go back, actually, because, you know, you mentioned the quarterback situation. Were you one of those folks who – when they drafted Saquon Barkley, said, oh, my God, Dave Gettleman, what are you doing? Well, it's just it's a hard situation. Look, it's easy for me to just sit here with you and go, no, I said that was a great idea all along. He's a great player. And sure enough, he is. The challenge is to draft him that high. Was there a way to, you know, to uh, trade down and still get him? I personally think there could have been a way to do that. There's no no one's going to say Saquon Barkley on your team. What are you thinking? He's a brilliant player, and and I don't think you're going to regret having him. It was more the positioning of it, uh, and now you're paying a running back already in the top five running backs of the league. There's a lot of different levels to the GM position besides who he actually picks, and I don't know if it was nuanced quite as well as it could have been. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it absolutely does because I I know what, what kind of struck me odd when Dave Gettleman came in is right off the bat they said, we're going to commit to Eli. We are going to build around him. They built the offensive line around him. They added Saquon, you know, because Eli hasn't had a running game since the days of Ahmad Bradshaw. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had the tight end, Evan Ingram. They had the receivers in Beckham and Sterling Shepard. And it just hasn't panned out. And, you know, I I have been beating the drum for the longest time now. And some people are probably going to get sick of me saying this, but... I blame that on the lack of offensive line talent that they tr- didn't really devote efforts to. Right. No, I'm, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, you may have been beating that drum, but it's, it's a good drum and it, may, and it makes sense. So, um, so, I mean, no one, I don't think you've had anyone argue that, you know, that we shouldn't have Saquon on the team. He's clearly a superior talent and will, and will be for some time. It's just the way, uh, the way it all went down. Uh, it's a it's a tough pick in a in a number two spot. 
It really is. And, and, you know, I know in the beginning I said, well, you know, it makes all the sense in the world. Trade down. You don't have a foundation because you've lost so many draft picks. And mm-hmm. you, know, you could go down the list and you could see there's not a lot of draft picks left from the Jerry Reese era. And right. they, you know, I guess they couldn't find a trade partner willing to, to put up a king's ransom. And they took the pick. And, hey, listen, how many teams have a gen- once-in-a-generational talent at receiver and running back? I agree. And then the the idea, you know, the other side of it is, is I want to see Eli still throwing the ball. You know, this idea of, well, he can't throw the ball because the offensive line isn't protecting him en- enough. Well, let's throw the ball deeper, have a further b- drop back further, drop back a solid seven so that you can throw the ball downfield. You got some receivers that can get open, even if they even if, you know, they know they're throwing to him, they can get open. I would just like to see – I'd rather see him dropping further back, throwing further down the field, and if they can sack him back there, then more power to them. They seem to be sacking him three yards off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they're having those jailbreaks. And, you know, it's interesting because before we we uh, started recording this podcast, I actually was working on a piece about uh, Eli. And, you know, listen, I've been accused of being an Eli Homer, and, you know, I've supported the guy. But, you know, I'm a I, fan. I'm a fan. Well, well I mean, I, I have to be objective. I can't sit here and say I'm a fan or I'm not a fan. But right. what I try and do is I try and look at everything. I look at, you know, the, the, the personnel around him. You know, I look at the offense and the scheme he's being asked to operate. And you mentioned, you know, dropping back five, seven yards. Unfortunately, for years, this marriage between the offensive lines he's had and Eli that it hasn't been a good marriage. I mean, Eli needs right. maulers in front of him, and he hasn't gotten that. He's gotten technicians and finesse guys. But perhaps more importantly, you know, when Pat Shermer came in here, I was really excited because, you know, everybody I spoke with who had covered him out in Minnesota said, oh, you're going to love him. He's got a, you know, a quarterback-friendly system. Eli's going to thrive in it. And just, you know, watching it unfold, you ever notice how it looks like Eli's just looking to half the field, and he's always He's looking mm-hmm. to dump the ball off to the nearest receiver. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wonder how much absolutely. of that is that scheme. I mean, what, what do you think? You know what? I don't I, – I, I, I would say I don't like to talk about stuff I don't know anything about, but I do it all the time. So I don't know why I would say that. But I, I don't know. So I don't know the scheme. I do know that for years of us enjoying Eli – he doesn't look comfortable back there, hardly ever, right? Exactly. Now, what is that? What is that a byproduct of? Is that a byproduct of him not being comfortable because of the scheme, or because maybe Eli is coming, you know, coming to the last of his career? But uh, I don't know. I, I I still feel that the guy always had that confidence in the pocket, and I just don't see it. Nobody does. No, definitely not. And, you know, the other thing that kind of cracks me up a lot is people scream about Eli's lack of mobility. Well, it wasn't a problem when he first came into the league. Now, maybe the game has changed some. I'm not going to say that it hasn't because it does change every year. But, you know, you put him in the right setting, and I think mm-hmm. he could still be effective. I do think he can be effective. Uh, I, either way... Even if we get some more Eli, effective Eli, it's time to start grooming somebody. He's not going to be Tom Brady. He's not going to be playing until 41, 42 years old. I mean, this is no knock on on Eli. I'd like to think I would say it right to him, but we should be grooming who's coming in next. and And the timing of then taking a Saquon at the number two pick when there were so many quarterbacks up there, 
that kind of gives you that feeling of, uh, should we have somebody we should be grooming right now? But then you look at Saquon and you go, what, am I going to argue about that guy on my team? Exactly. And, you know, there'll be other quarterbacks, other opportunities. But, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking about this the other day when I, again, when I was writing something about, you know, the state of the offense. And if you remember in 2004 when Eli was drafted, he had a guy to groom him in none other than Kurt Warner, now a Hall of Mm. Famer. Absolutely. So it's amazing how, you know, it comes full circle, isn't it? I mean, here's a possibility that there's a chance they may keep Eli next year. I mean, we don't know. Obviously, the cap hit might be too much for them to keep, and they might Mm -hmm. want to move on. I personally think they're going to keep him because, you know, right now, like you said, they don't really have somebody who can really step up and is proven to, you know, to carry the torch. But I think down the line, maybe they get a guy uh, if it's not going to be Lawletta and just have Eli serve the same role as as uh, Kurt Warner did when he was a rookie. Well, what's the reasoning of not like getting Loletta out there and taking a look right now? I I don't get it. I mean, we I mean literally after this bye, he should be playing a little bit in every game. Is, is that crazy? It just seems obvious to me. Let's look at some of these guys. You would think so, but there's a couple of things that I think factor into the equation. And the first one is is I think as long as they are mathematically alive, which they still are, believe it or not, even though they're one in seven, you're oh, going to see on. Eli continue because he does give them, you know, whether, whether people realize it or not or want to admit it or not, he does give them the best chance to win. I know there are people out there who say I'm crazy for saying that, but I'm trying to think like the coach and his experience and his, you know, durability does give them the best possible chance. But more importantly, you have to ask yourself, is Lawletta ready? And, you know, you could say, well, he's been he's been with the team since May. He's been working, you know, learning the offense. But quarterbacks, especially when they come from smaller programs, it takes a while for them to really get a grasp on, on you know, the NFL uh, gain the speed and, and the terminology and all the complexities that you don't necessarily have in the, in the college level. No, definitely. I mean, but that's that's the case for any young quarterback. But, you know, they do go in. And the idea that uh, we're not mathematically eliminated, I guess mathematically, that is accurate. But um, we can certainly see after the uh, bye that if we're in some games where we seem to be out, out of it, then I think we can bring somebody in. We have to throw him to the wolves and do, you know, a series of uh, passes in a row where he gets his head handed to him. Just get somebody in there to get a field, take some snaps. You know, I feel like it won't be long before the mathematical part is over. And even if it's not, there could be a game we're definitely getting beat in and just get him behind center. Get, you know, get something going. Take a look. Yeah, I think that's coming. I, I, if I had to take a guess, I would say probably the last four games of the season is when we'll start to see this kid get some meaningful snaps, whether it be in a mop-up role or whether it just be, you know what, Eli, you've taken a beating all season long. We want you to be able to literally walk away from the game before you get killed. You know, let, let's let's see what this kid has and what he brings to the table. So I could see that, you know, being down the line. Yeah, well, I hope so. I hope so. And again, this is no knock on Eli. It's just that time marches on, and let's see who we got on the on the sideline there. For sure, for sure. Giant fans, you're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainan, special guest Steve Heitner. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will come back, and we'll continue talking Giants football. Stay with us. Hey, Giant fans. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? 
Well, your company could be mentioned right now, right here on the Locked On Giants podcast. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcasts. Our demographics is 98% male with more education and earning than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. For more information on our very affordable advertising rates, email LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for gambling advice. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win every week, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy enthusiasts out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 when you use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the special offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when entering your account to claim your special bonus. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back to Locked on Giants. This is Patricia Trena, and I am with Steve Heitner, who is best, well, amongst the many things he's done in his career, he's known as Kenny Banya from Seinfeld, very popular character, the character you just love to hate, the guy who works out, and is, he's huge, man, he's huge. <laughs> but he likes yeah, to see, fish. Yeah. The, uh, the Seinfeld and uh, Kenny Banya role was uh, amazing, or... Or as my dad used to say, he, he passed a couple of years ago, but as he used to like to say, thank God for that Steinfeld show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, hey, listen, it made you huge, you know? So. Yeah, whatever it takes. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about, you know, Eli Manning and the offense. Um, let's let's change it up for this segment. Let's let's look at the defensive side of the ball and talk a little bit about that. You know, James Betcher came in, the defensive coordinator, had a reputation as being a very aggressive defensive coordinator, send the, you know, throw everything but the kitchen sink at, at opposing quarterbacks. I mean, what have you seen from his defense that you like and, and what concerns you? Uh, look, I feel like I would like to see them be more aggressive on defense. Um, I would rather see them laying it out there because – it seems to me that teams uh, are not having a problem uh, running on us or picking us apart. So to me, I would rather see more laying it out there and making quarterbacks make the right choice. But, you know, I understand that that uh, makes you vulnerable. But I just feel when you have a team that isn't on a roll, which is the least you could say about the Giants right now, is that they're not on a roll is to try and change it up. And I think defensively you can try and do that. I don't feel that has been done. You could disagree with me on that. But um, I would just rather see a, a more aggressive uh, defense. You know, it's interesting. I mean, we watched all spring and all summer Olivier Vernon absolutely 
terrorize the Giants' offensive line, which I guess in retrospect should have been a sign of what was to come now that I think about right. it. But And then he goes and he gets the high ankle sprain. I believe it's the same ankle he sprained mm-hmm. last year. And, you know, all of a sudden, no pass rush. You know, there's he, and then he comes back. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the Giants have gotten three of their 10 sacks since Olivier Vernon has returned to the lineup. But, you know, a, a combination I really want to see moving forward is yeah. Vernon and this kid Lorenzo Carter as the other outside linebacker. I don't know what you think about him, Steve, but I love this kid. I don't think I know enough about him. Tell me about him. He is an outside linebacker. Outside linebacker, I know yep. that. He was one of the, uh, I think he was the first third-round draft pick uh, from this year. The Giants had two third-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. You know, very tall, very lean, probably needs to add a little bulk because, you know, he still kind of gets caught up in the wash on run run defense. But he has got a very quick first step. Kind of reminds me a little bit of OCU Manura with that quick first step. But mm-hmm. unlike, you know, past uh, attempts to replace a, an OCU manure like a, an Owa Dickey Zua and whatnot. Uh, Carter actually uses his hand wells and he, his hands well, and he's able to fight off blocks and just get you know penetration and pressure to force you know those early throws. And I just really like what I have seen of, from this young man, and I just keep praying that Betcher keeps putting him out there more and more, um, even if it's at the expense of Kareem Martin, who's currently the the other outside starting linebacker. I just you know, I, and uh, I would love to see him uh, you know blossom into all the uh, things that you're excited about. But I just as a as a fan. Just just sit there and watch these quarterbacks who have all day to throw. And I'm just as a as a fan, I'm just like I it kills me to watch that. You know, it's like seven seconds, eight seconds go by and they and they connect with a receiver. It's like I can't I can't tolerate that. We have to blitz more. We have to scheme more. I would rather get beat that way than than a quarterback who has all day back there. Yeah, but part of the problem though, Steve, has also been the defensive secondary, which is just, you know, not really having a a, a good year. I mean, Janoris Jenkins has given up, I want to say, six touchdowns so far this year in eight mm-hmm. games. Um they traded away Eli Apple as you know, um, right? You know why? Why was why was that? Why did they trade Eli Apple? Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, Gettleman and Shermer gave everybody a clean slate, and Eli started off well, but then his play began to dip. And I don't know if there was, you know, anything other beyond the play mm-hmm. dipping, but they probably came to the conclusion that look, this guy's not going to be in our plans. And they also drafted, remember, uh, Sam Beal in the third round of the supplemental draft. So right. when they picked that kid up, I said up oh, that, you know, at the time I said up, oh, that's the end of Janoris Jenkins. But look, Janoris Jenkins, who's due to make, I believe, 13 million on the salary cap, he's gone. I don't see him back next year. So they want to get younger you know, put put a, uh, a Sam Beal back there for Eli Apple, maybe draft another cornerback. I mean, quite frankly, I was surprised Gettleman didn't draft a quarterback in the main draft last year because I had numerous NFL agents tell me, oh, go study up on the cornerbacks because Dave Gettleman loves to draft them. And he didn't until, you know, the supplemental draft. So I just think, they're, you know, the overall goal from what I'm seeing is Gettleman is probably looking to put together a relatively young team with a a sprinkling here and there of a veteran so that that team can gel together, grow old together. Now the challenge is that, that 
that creates is that you have to make sure you keep all these pieces because obviously with the salary cap and right. with guys getting you know outbid and whatnot, you can't always do that. But I think that's the direction Gettleman is trying to take this team. Well, I'll also just say, and a lot of that is very accurate and true, and we're talking about the secondary, is like, I agree with all of that. And yet, when I see a quarterback connect with a receiver uh, after six seconds of time to look around, I find it hard to blame my secondary. I just feel like there's just so much. And again, the secondary has a lot of issues and a lot of, a lot of work to be done. But when I see somebody have that much time to fl- throw, my, my immediate thought isn't the secondary. Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You've got to, you know, collapse the pocket. You've got to push the pocket. I do think, though, they have some guys who can do that. I mean, I really like this B.J. Hill. I like Dalvin mm-hmm. Tomlinson. Um, you know, they, they've been working in Kerry Wynn into that lineup. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's a, it, it's a figure that I actually picked up for um, a, an analysis, a midseason analysis that I was writing at the time of this recording, but they are getting pressure. What they are not getting are the sacks. And, you know, it's interesting because Betcher, uh, Shermer, and before them, Steve Spagnuolo always used to say, uh-huh. you know, sacks are great to have, but they are not the be-all and end-all. If you are getting in the quarterback's face and you are forcing the guy to throw early, you know, maybe make a mistake, even better. And I think part of the problem with what you're seeing is they're facing a lot of quarterbacks who can move around the pocket, slide around, mm-hmm. scramble and whatnot, and buy themselves time. So, you know, that that's another thing that they, they really have to figure out. I mean, you look at the RPOs and, and, and the zone reads, the Giants haven't figured that out yet. It's so frustrating. No. Why is that? I don't know. I wish I had an answer. You know, when we ask the players about it, they say, oh, we, you know, we, we're playing it a little differently, you know, this is how we're going to fix it. We're playing it differently. But I just see the same results over and over. And, and when I watch the film, it just looks to me like there are guys that are out there that just, they watch it, at, you know, what's what's developing in front of them. And they're like, oh, my God, what do I do? Should I right. stay put? Should I b- drop back? Should I charge? What do I do? It's almost like they've never seen it before. And, you know, even though they see it on film, when it, right. when you're out there, it's it, it it it's almost like stage fright, I guess. I agree with you. That's why I'm saying on a lot of these issues, I just want to see them come off the ball stronger, harder. And if that means calling blitzes, if that means calling schemes, then do it. But I just want to see them with more fire in their step as uh, after they hike the ball, be it on the offensive or defensive side. I don't. I don't see that fire. I don't see them coming off. And I don't know if that means they're not comfortable with the scheme or they don't know where to be. But <clears throat> I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see that there. You're, you're thinking in terms of you want to see like we saw in 2007. Do you remember that defense? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That defense. Now, again, that was a great defense. They, they don't have to have those results, although it would be nice. But I would like to see that sort of spitfire. I would like to see that sort of movement. I'd like to see that across the board because other than Odell, there are times when you look at that sideline and for whatever reason, they just look there. They, they're, they're sitting there looking like, uh, what's just happened? You know? Yeah, I don't quite I don't quite understand the chemistry issue. And I don't just like I said earlier, I don't disagree with Odell on a, several of the issues. I don't understand why they're not throwing the ball downfield. One of the great uh, one of the great receivers of all time. If you just look at the numbers, I don't understand why they're not throwing the ball downfield. And I and I don't disagree with them on the team chemistry. I mean, you can just you, like you said, you can just look at the sideline. 
You know, it's interesting because every week it seems that Pat Shermer says, we're getting close, we're getting close. And yet you look at the results, and, and I know they haven't really been blown out this year, I don't believe. I think they've kept it close, but it's been it, it's been almost like, you know, um, a drop pass here, you know, a missed interception there. And I had Michael Thomas, defensive back Michael Thomas, on, on the podcast the other day, and I yeah. asked him, I said, I said, Mike, when you when you guys say you're getting close, what's keeping you from getting over the hump? And he mm-hmm. told me, he says, you know, it, it, just a play here, a bounce here. And it, it's just amazing because, you know, we heard that last year with McAdoo when he was here. Um, you know, I know when Coughlin in the tail end of his, his coaching tenure said the same thing. At what point, though, do you go from being close to, to being there? It's just so frustrating. It is frustrating. And anytime your team has one win at this point of the season – it's going to be frustrating. And, you know, you try and uh, break it down like we are right now. But there's no doubt that uh, it's, uh, it's rough. The team, uh, it's, the team is struggling. And uh, I would rather see them struggle in a much more aggressive manner. Good point. Good point. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena and Steve Heitner. We're going to take our final break of the show, come back and talk a little bit more Giant football. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans. Patricia Trainer with Steve Heitner, of, best known for his role as Kenny Banya of Seinfeld fame. And he's calling in all the way from California to talk Giant football on this, the final day of the bye, well, the final Friday of the bye week as we record this. And I don't know about you, Steve, but I'm having a great time talking football here. Uh, well, you know what? You're keeping me on my toes. You know your you know your football even better than I do. I'm just I'm trying to keep up with you here. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> You're doing fine. You're doing fine. You have some you you know, it's always nice to get some different opinions because, you know, amongst the media, we all pretty much have the same opinions and, you know, I always like to see what what the fans are saying because you guys come at it with a, a different set of eyes than we do. And it's funny because I've always said to my husband, I can never watch a football game quite the same as, a, you know, ever again. Because when I was younger, I used to watch it for the enjoyment and I didn't worry about schemes and breakdowns and stats right. and analytics. Now, every football game I watch, that's what I'm looking at. And I just feel, I don't want to say it's ruined me, but it's just, it's a different perspective that I take, a different looking glass. Oh, well, you know, my family won't watch any films or TV with me anymore because I'll be commenting on the script, commenting on a particular (laughs) actor, and they're just like, oh, you take the joy out of everything. (laughs) That sounds familiar. My husband says the same thing about football when he watches (laughs) it with me. Exactly. Steve, Steve, getting back to, to the Giants, I mean, we've talked about the offense. We've talked about the defense. I mean, it hasn't been good, obviously, this season, but Looking from it from the outside in, what do you see from this team that maybe has you excited for the future? You know, we talked a little bit about, obviously, Saquon and, and Odell, but what else do you see that has you excited? Look, I'm, I'm just going to – I'm going to cut to the chase. That You just named what I find exciting. Those two guys, if we can't get line play – if we can't get a defense and a secondary that can be competitive in, in the league, then those guys aren't going to matter. But if we just get competitive in those other areas, we can have these two skill guys really take us places. They are not good. They are almost beyond great. I mean, they are. if you look at their numbers, they're incredible. 
We have to create a situation to have these guys who we are paying and drafting extremely high do what they do. We need to fix our interior play. For sure, for sure. And, you know, one of the guys that I like um, on the offensive line who is an I think this kid's going to be an absolute stud. Is that Will Hernandez at left guard? Are you, are you familiar with? Yes, him? Yeah. yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. That kid. Oh my gosh, he's a well. Mom, the a mom the mom. thing about that stuff, he is. But the thing about the offensive line, it's a, it's such a unit. You know, they have to play in tandem so much that you know it just feel like if you don't have those right guys, it's hard to plug one in. So it just takes time, but to me, that's where the focus should be. I think the Giants have a lot of skilled players. Obviously, the, we've discussed the uh, question mark at quarterback moving forward, but they have skilled players. They need to deal with the, with the line play, the line play of the New York Giants. Absolutely, and you know, for all the times I sit here and I kill Jerry Reese and Mark Ross for the bad drafts they had, one of the things they did do well fairly well is drafting from the outside in and, and getting the skill players, you know, getting an Evan Ingram, a tight end, getting an Odell Beckham Jr. and a Sterling Shepard. Those Agreed. three guys. Yeah, exactly. And, you Agreed. know, those, those guys can, can be the core, you know, when, when you look through the rubble of the season, you, you you're going to find pieces that you can build around. And those three guys right there, you know, and, and, you know, Hernandez and Barkley, those are Gettleman picks, but, you're starting to find pieces that can be the core, and now you just have to kind of fill in around them. And I also feel like when we discuss the possibility of the, uh, you know, the chemistry not being good, nothing will demoralize a team, in my opinion, than when they're getting beaten in the line, be it offensive or defense. It's very demoralizing, and it's hard to have great, you know, chemistry when that's going on. It, it seems to be the most debilitating thing a, a team can have happen to them. For sure, you know, and and it's interesting because I do a lot of work with the salary cap. I'm I'm kind of like a a, a capologist wannabe, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. So I I just I look at the contracts, and I really believe that if you look at the way the contracts are up in the NFL, regardless of the team, are structured, you can kind of get a good idea of as to the direction they're going to build the team. And one of mm-hmm. the things I was looking at. Um, this week was the contracts on the offensive line and when they can conceivably move on from this guy and that guy and that guy. And, you know, I know a lot of people have been disappointed in the play of Nate Solder, the left tackle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to that, you know, is, first of all, I would say to anybody it, is that you're never going to get what you pay for in the in the free agent market. You, you, you almost have to overspend. And the right. more desperate you become, the more you're going to spend. And let's face it, after watching Eric Flowers flop around like, you know, for mm-hmm. how many years, mm-hmm. they were desperate yeah. at left tackle. Yes, they were. And then, you know, Net- Nate Solder comes in from the Patriots where they kind of did things a little differently with Tom Brady, whereas, you know, what Nate Solder's doing now where he kind of slides back and kind of patty cakes the guy out of the way, he could get right. away with that up in New England. Can't get away with that down here. But he's mm-hmm. also been injured, which I'm surprised not a lot of people are mentioning considering he's got this huge apparatus on one of his arms. Well, you know, I just think in football, more so than any other sport, there's just so much injury that it just doesn't seem something you can fall back on. To me, if you're, you know, and I don't want to sound harsh, but if you're in the game, you're in the game. Every football team is injured. There's no football teams that aren't. So, you, you know, you have to look at the play of when they're in. 
Uh, I think in other sports that I'm, you know, like baseball, you know, that, you know, have a little more finesse or skill things to it, they, that it can really affect their play, but then they'd be out of the lineup in football. They seem to be still in the lineup while they're injured. So you have to just look at the play they're giving you left tackle has become a glamor position in the NFL and a very highly paid position in the NFL. And uh, you're either up to it or you're not. Th- these positions, uh, there's uh, there's some other guy that wants to make that kind of money. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you're, nobody at this point in, in time is going to be 100%. But I think the other thing, you know, affecting the Giants is that who do they have to back up Nate Solder? I don't think they have a, a, a I don't. Option. I don't. You, you tell me. You you know the team better than I do. No, I I, 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 I'm, I'm speaking rhetorically here. I don't think they have a solid option to back the guy up. I mean, right. I suppose in a pinch, if they absolutely needed someone, they would probably plug in Brian Mahalik. But right now, it's looking like he's going to have to step in for Chad Wheeler. You know, if Chad Wheeler's ankle injury mm-hmm. is, is, becomes a problem. So they, you know, that, that was actually one of the things I was screaming about at the start of the year, about the lack of offensive tackle depth. And right. I, I just said, God, I hope they get through the year with, without an injury to Flowers and to Solar, because if they don't, and, and they have to put in, you know, Wheeler at any point. Now they have nobody behind him, you know. So that that concerned me. And sure enough, that's that's where it's headed right now. Well, maybe uh, maybe where the bye week uh, that we're experiencing right now will be some sort of help in that area. Maybe that maybe there'll be some uh, healing. We can only hope. We can only right. hope. So just a couple more things, Steve, before I let you go. I just wanted to get your take on Damon Harrison, the trade of Damon Harrison. I know that shocked a lot of people given, you know, that Harrison is still playing one of, you know, he's still playing at near the top of his game with the run defense and everything like that. Did that surprise you? It did surprise me, but it didn't. I, I felt because the team isn't playing that well, I did. I, I kind of left it to, eh, maybe they know something I don't know. It's hard to go, how do you trade that guy when you have one win? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, so, and- so to me, it's like maybe they know something I don't know. I can't – I don't have a, a feeling. It was surprising. But I'm like, uh, all right. But all I know is that one in whatever, we need to make moves and changes and draft picks and, those, and things like that. So I'm I, in that area. I'm more forgiving when we have one win. Sure, absolutely. And they were able to get a fifth round draft pick, and at the same time, they were able to unload a contract that I don't know that they would have kept anyway after this year. So look, if you can trade some of these higher price contracts that you know are not necessarily going to be in your plans for the future and get something back then I think you have to do it, which is kind of why I was surprised that Janoris Jenkins wasn't moved. I don't know if they were just looking for some, you know, too high of a price or what the story right. was there. But, um, you know, like I said to you before, I would be surprised if he's on this team next year. Well, you know, your point is right. You know, I'm looking at the draft pick that they got. And your point is right about the contract that wasn't going to be picked up anyway. So uh, we'll see uh, moving forward if there's more of that. But in the big picture... It's hard to be against that kind of activity when you're dealing with a team with one win. Absolutely. And Steve, I'll tell you what, talking about this all week has been kind of therapeutic. I mean, it's always good (laughs) to get get a different perspective for sure. Uh, I think at the end of the season, we all have to gather and just have a big old group hug. What do you say? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? Whatever it takes. 
Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Steve, before I let you go, tell all the good folks out there what you got going on, where they can find your work, anything you want to share with them. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm down in L.A. right now. I'm doing a podcast of my own called That's Gold with Steve Heitner. I was uh, mentioning that we talk about sports, sports gambling, which is hitting every state in the union now. And then we talk about things uh, that uh, guys enjoy doing, be it travel, Vegas, uh, scotch, uh, chili, cigars, whatever it might be. We do it five days a week, and we try and do it with a sense of humor. So uh, check it out, uh, obviously, on the Spotify, the iTunes. Uh, our website is thatsgold.gold. And uh, I just figured if people are going to scream, that's gold, Jerry, at me every day of the week, I might as well, I might as well use it as well. Sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> All right, Steve, excellent stuff. I want to thank you for coming on. Appreciate you taking time out of a busy schedule. Giant fans, make sure you stay with us this week. We're going to get back to our regular schedule. We've got Twitter Tuesday coming up. We've got the crossover show with the 49ers coming up. A lot of football coming up at, with the Giants coming back to work uh, this coming week. So, as always, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.